Born in black family. Hayes here. Nene downstairs making me a smoothie. She wants me to take my medication earlier than I did yesterday. I love her to death. Anyway, it's just myself and these two fur babies. Uh, Nina's is comfortable in my lap. I think she's uh, trying to go to sleep. But um, I just finished uh, listening to Lisa Cabrera. Seems like uh, they caught the dude that killed uh, Bob Lee, founder of Cash App. And if that picture is correct, it looks like it was a half-breed, either a half-breed or a hobby-dobby. Anyway, I'm about to do, uh, oh, shit, hold on, the queen is on. Give me waffles, money, money, that's God, all right. Alright, this ain't gonna be Professor Black Truth. This gonna be uh Queen Amadea. She's going to figure it out that she's on mute. I'm in the chat. There's no sound, Queen. Queen, look at your chat. Sister, there's no there's no audio. And she's just talking and talking and talking. Hold on, let me put it in all caps. Queen, you ain't got no sound.
Oh my God. Everybody's typing exactly what I just typed, and she's still talking. I'll be damned. I hear Nini down there making that smoothie. She got some dragon fruit she's gonna put in it today. I like that shit. Oh my God, she's just talking and talking and can't nobody hear except herself. She's not even looking at the motherfucking chat. Everybody in their mama in this motherfucking chat saying, no sound, no audio, can't hear you. Turn up your sound, you're muted. I mean, yeah, someone just said, Maj, y'all need to call her. This a hotel, call the queen. There she go. And I'm going to have her back on the show. 
Okay, now you all were privy to that video yesterday, but that actually was a members only exclusive that I did maybe a month or so ago. Okay, so if you don't have memberships to the channel, that's the type of things that you're missing. I just want y'all to know. Okay, that's the type of things that you're missing if you don't have memberships to the channel. Because all of these exclusive interviews are specifically for members only. Every now and then I'll drop one just so you all can see what you can I thought okay, it was going to be so the professor, but she came on right at when I was about to turn on the professor. So, and I want to see why Monique is suing um, CBS and for how much. Okay, so you know. What is that? Now, also, don't so. forget that I do the consultations uh, for thirty dollars. Okay, if you need a consultation, and Mister Hotel and his father for paid for a couple of consultations oh. last month. Said John, don't come in here asking about FBA. Asked me 
as I'm becoming the new Cynthia G. I don't think Now, that was all so foolish because Cynthia G clearly doesn't like think. black men no, at I don't all. Think so. Yes, and make their first court appearance. Let me pull this uh, picture up on the screen. But who's talking this about is him right here. I don't know. I asked him right here. So 
Let's get into it. Jack Tixera. I may be saying his name incorrectly, but the suspect arrested in connection with the leaking of classified documents has entered a Boston courtroom for his first appearance. Now, he has appeared in front of Magistrate Judge David Hennessy in Boston. The clerk of the district court in Massachusetts gave this information to CNN. They said the 21-year-old Massachusetts Air National Guardsman entered the courtroom wearing a tan shirt and pants from the detention center, as well as hiking boots. He walked into the room in shackles through his hands. Um, though his hand, I'm sorry, he walked into the room with shackles, though his hands were uncuffed uh, before he sat down at the defense table. Okay, so let me pull up the footage of when he was arrested. Now, this is also nefarious. Why would you be leaking Pentagon secrets? I have questions. But as Jack to share. Now, the Washington Post did interview a friend and a member of this online chat group where uh, these documents were published. And the friend said that somebody uh, by the moniker. Zachary, just hold that thought for a second because what we're looking at right now on your screen is the arrests taking place right now, just moments ago, in fact, in Massachusetts, as you can see there, that gentleman wearing red shorts with a white stripe, his hands over his head. That's law enforcement officials arresting the suspect. Uh, as you said in the last few moments, Zachary, an arrest had been made in connection, of course, with uh, the intelligence we considered one of the worst intelligence breaches, in fact, in years, and that is what we are seeing right now. Uh, we heard from the press, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, the Pentagon spokesperson, talking about the fact that this was a deliberate and criminal act. The leaks, of course, the impact the leaks have had around the world have been truly huge uh, from Ukraine to Korea to Egypt to Israel and beyond. Uh, and now we are seeing officials, just moments ago in fact, arresting this 21-year-old suspect that you were talking about. Zachary, uh, continue your thought. As we look at these images right now, uh, we'll continue your, your line of thought that you had just <laughs> Absolutely. And what, this, what we're seeing take place now is the arrest of somebody who has been identified as the leader of this online chat group. Where are the classified documents that we've seen emerge over the last several days? Um, where those were posted. You know, it's a 21 year old Air National Guardsman from Massachusetts, 21 years old. Um, we've managed to get apparently access to some of the most highly classified um, government secrets and post them on a group chat online filled with uh, gamers and uh, mostly of teenage age. And he wanted to show them um, and reinforce his skepticism and his cynicism about the US government. We're seeing him right now being taken into custody. Um, you know, it's really a remarkable moment in an investigation that over the last 24 hours we've seen really pick up pace. Um, the Department of Justice and the uh, Department of Defense have both been investigating for days trying to identify the identity of the leaker, the person who posted these documents online, and now we're seeing the person able to be responsible. Yeah, because he's white. Yeah, the investigation has picked up Not get on the ground, put your face in the ground and shit. Jack Teixeira, they're being arrested, a member of course of the Massachusetts Air National Guard, entering that vehicle uh, and being taken away. This happening just moments ago in Massachusetts. Uh, of course, arrest coming uh, following what, as, as you were saying there, Zachary, a fast moving search by the US government, the car moving, uh, moving right now. But, you know, you said that the investigations actually moved rather quickly, but Steve, I mean, 
the documents, you heard some of the questioning there from some of the reporters, were available for, for, for many months. So uh, the many questions remain as to why it took so long. But let me ask you first, Steve, about this individual. We heard from what the Washington Post said, that this is a man who was a lonely man, a gun enthusiast, uh, you know, worked in the mili military. How, what would be the motivation then for the sleep? Yeah, that's absolutely the right question to be asking. And, and just let me tell you, after having been involved with human uh, spy operations for the entirety of my 30-year career at CIA, the number of motivations uh, that motivate people to do things like this are as many as the people that do it. Uh, you never know whether it's politics, whether it's you know their societal views on things, their upbringing, financial um, motivations and vulnerabilities. It could be anything. From what we've seen in the reporting so far, the public reporting on this, is that this, this individual did apparently have some sort of concerns about, you know, we hear about government overreach. It's a little difficult for me to put together in my mind how that ties into the type of information that he decided to take out of the Pentagon. But what it really does point to very, very strongly is the need for the Pentagon and indeed all agencies in the U.S. Uh, intelligence community to double down and focus on who is the screening process, the vetting process for individuals who have access to this information. Because you really need to take into account a whole bunch of different counterintelligence issues before you make the determination that somebody like this 21-year-old individual indeed has the need to know and, and is not going to be motivated to leak this information you know, or share it with adversaries, which is even worse. Yeah, and at this, at this juncture, exactly, I suppose we don't know, did he act alone? Was anyone else working with him on this? Uh, these are questions I'm guessing that we still don't know. Is, what, what is your understanding? Yeah, you're exactly right. These are things that investigators are going to absolutely be trying to figure out the answers to in the coming hours and coming days. You know, obviously the fact that these documents were posted onto an online group chat does raise the question about who the other members um, of that group were. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, what we're seeing play out now is sort of the first step in um, coming to an answer about why these documents may be posted online, why the suspect that's in custody allegedly took that step. And also, as Steve said, an opportunity for the Department of Justice or Department of Defense to look back at its procedures for handling classified documents and for who can access those materials. Um, and I hope to mitigate the risk of this happening again. Uh, so anyway, um, Doreen says that she heard on Jimmy Dore that this is a CIA operation and the leaked information isn't revealing very much that we don't already know. But I'm not concerned about us getting the information. I'm not concerned about people in the U.S. getting the information. I don't think that's what they're concerned about either. Um, it could be a CIA operation. I don't know, but that's the culprit right there. I wonder if they're going to try and say that he has some type of mental illness. I have so many questions. At the end of the day, they say he did this when he was playing some video game or something, and he wanted the, the other people to know that he was privy to this information. Now they're talking about vetting these people more seriously before they allowed them uh, to, in fact, have access to this type of information. Well, that should have been a rule in the first place. But likely because of who Brad is, he was allowed to gain access to this stuff, and this is what happened. So they know what to blame themselves as far as I'm concerned. Um, why would a 21-year-old, I just want y'all to pay attention, he's an adult and all of that, but why would a 21-year-old be privy to this type of, you know, classified documentation? Why? Do you think if it was a 21-year-old that looked like me, they would be allowed to be anywhere near that information? Even if they were 40, I have questions. So anyway, but, um, and that's all of a sudden a fair friends, but anyway, they go on to say, 
that the suspect was arrested. He's in court or whatever. He was in court. Uh, they say the 21-year-old Massachusetts Air National Guardsman entered the courtroom and Nadine, uh, Nadine Pellegrini, the chief of the National Security Unit for the District of Massachusetts, a U.S. Attorney's Office, is sitting at the prosecution table. The Boston courtroom is entirely full, including three people sitting on a bench. I don't know why they think we need to know all of this. Uh, but anyway, they say he's 21 and he's believed to be the leader of a Discord chat group where the documents were posted. They say we are unaware that we are aware that law enforcement officials have arrested the individual allegedly accused of illegally posting classified material on the platform. We have cooperated with officials and remain committed to doing as much as we can in this in, as the investigation continues. While Discord places a premium on the privacy of their users, they said we believe that our platform best serves the needs of all when we collectively engage in responsible online behavior. They say their terms of service expressly prohibit using Discord for legal or criminal purposes, which includes the shared documents on Discord that will that may be verifiably classified. So anyway, they say the spokesperson said that Discord has banned users involved with distribution of the classified information, deleted content against its terms of service, and issued warnings to those who continue to share the documents. And so anyway, they say there were 53, CNN reviewed 53 of the leaked documents all of which appear to have been produced mid between mid-February and early March that contain a wide range of highly classified information. Some of the documents which U.S. officials say are authentic exposed extensive U.S. eavesdropping on key allies. Ah, that's why they're concerned. Say what now? Eavesdropping on their key allies, including South Korea, Israel, and Ukraine. On Russia and Wagner Group, others revealed that that the degree, or they reveal the degree to which the U.S. has penetrated the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Russian mercenary organization Wagner Group, largely through intercepted communications and human sources that could now be cut off or put in danger. On Ukraine's military and Zelensky, they say, still others divulge key weaknesses in the Ukrainian weaponry, air defense, and battalion sizes and readiness at a critical point in the war as Ukrainian forces gear up to launch a counteroffensive to launch a counteroffensive against Russia. And just as the US and Ukraine have begun to develop hold on pop ups. This is all Son of Just as Ukraine and the US have begun to develop a more mutually trusted relationship over intelligence sharing. One document reveals that the U.S. has been spying on Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, that is unsurprising, as the source, as a source close to Zelensky. Uh, but Ukrainian officials are deeply frustrated about the. Want to make sure what he's doing with all that now, money? Now, the U.S. intelligence report, which is sourced to signals intelligence, says that Zelensky in late February suggested striking Russia's deployment locations in Russia's Rostov, Rostov Oblast using unmanned aerial vehicles since Ukraine does not have a long-range weapons capable uh, for reaching that far. intelligence includes intercepted communications and is broadly defined by the National Security Agency as intelligence 
derived from electronic signals and systems used by foreign targets, such as communication systems, uh, radars, and weapon systems. Now, on South Korea, another document describes in remarkable detail a conversation between two senior South, uh, South Korean nations. This is also nefarious. Uh, two South Korean national security officials about concerns by the country's National Security Council over a U.S. request for ammunition. The officials worried that supplying the ammunition, which the U.S. would then send to Ukraine, would violate South Korea's policy of not supplying lethal aid to countries at war. According to the document, one of the officials then suggested, hold on, these nefarious pop-ups again. Okay, one of them suggested a way of getting around the policy without actually changing it by simply selling the ammunition to Poland. Now remember, Poland is right across the border from Ukraine. So this is all so crazy. Uh, at the end of the day, this is why the U.S. is so concerned. Because all the dirt that they've been doing, or at least some of the dirt that they've been doing, has been exposed by these leaked documents. Thanks to Brad, no less. <laughs> Thanks to Brad, uh, Priscilla says they're not going to do nothing to him. No, they're probably not. They're likely going to just say, oh, you know, he's just a boy being a boy. Oh, he has mental health issues. Really or something that's BS. Okay, now before I move on to the next topic, let me say this. I saw goodness rated Bo put in the chat that uh, Cynthia G doesn't hate black men or whatever. And she just tries to tell black women about internalizing, you know, hate towards themselves because of black men. That's your opinion, beloved. Okay, and I'm entitled to mine. And Cynthia G does not like black men as far as I'm concerned. Okay, at the end of the day, she's not trying to empower black women by down and dogging, talking down and dogging black men. She doesn't like it, period. Okay, you're not putting them in check. Yeah, that's partially your fault. That part is your fault. That part contributes to the frequency. And when you have, as far as the cameras are concerned, when you have these brands who are going out into the garage, locking the door, and you don't go and see what they're doing, then you have people like, uh, you have people like Eric, what's his name, Eric Harris and Dylan Clebo from the Columbine shooting. Yeah, you have people like that. You have people like that. Sometimes it's parents' fault because they simply aren't paying attention. They're asleep at the wheel. Uh, some parents want to be friends with their children. Their child should never think they're on the same level as you. Uh, so this is a video that someone posted on TikTok, and she's absolutely right. And many of people who look like her got upset because she told nothing but the gospel truth. Okay, pay attention. Never fails every video I make there is a constant stream of butthurt white women and sometimes white men in my comment section saying that I'm stirring up racism because I'm holding us to account. When here's the reality, who raised Peyton? Who raised him? Was it black people that raised him? No, it wasn't. This is who raised him. This is his mother and his father. Now, what do you notice about Becky? Exactly. It is white women who are raising these white terrorists. We raise them, we create them, we rear them, and we want to pretend like we don't have any idea where they got their ideologies from. So how was it? How was it? You tell me. Who raised him with these ideologies? And giving them credit, saying that they didn't raise him with these ideologies, and that's giving a lot of credit where none is due. 
Why did they not recognize this pattern? And what the hell did they do about it to stop it? These deaths lie on the hands of his parents just as much as they do on him. And it is being raised by white parents. This is why I call us to account. This is the reason that I call us on our own shit. Because it is us who is birthing them. It is us who is raising them. It is us who is rearing them. It is us who is overlooking all of these red flags that are enough to create an entire field of red flags. It is us. It is us. It's always been us. Racism starts with us and racism will end with us. It is our job to dismantle racism because it was us who first assembled racism. I don't care if that makes you angry. I don't care if you're in my comment section telling me that I'm a race traitor or whatever you want to say. No, I'm just a decent human being who says that it is time that we own our shit and we realize that it is us who is raising them it is us who is creating these monsters. So what the hell are you going to do about it? Because I'll tell you, as a mother of three sons, I will die before I raise one of these. And they know that. Do your kids know that? What are you doing to stop this cycle with your beautiful babies? It creates this toxic environment. The only way to undo this is to teach them true history to teach them our role in history and in racism and all the atrocities that we faced over, uh, that we caused people of color, black, brown, and indigenous throughout the history of our nation. And we have to create them to be anti-racist. It's not enough just to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. No free passes for anybody ever, anywhere. I don't care if that's your pastor. I don't care if that's your son's coach. I don't care if it's your cousin, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your brother. I don't give a damn. Whoever it is that is spouting these ideologies and these racist rhetoric, you have to call them to account. No lies detected. She told the absolute truth. And it's just a shame that she said people get in her comment section saying that she's spewing, you know, uh, racial, sparking racial tensions and calling her a race traitor. Because people don't want to hear the truth. And the people that complain about her speaking the truth are racist people themselves, whether they choose to admit it or not. How is she sparking racism? When you're raising children and you don't teach them not to hate, that's the same as teaching them to hate. Okay? That's the same as teaching them to hate. That's just what it is. Okay? Don't sit there and act like, oh, you didn't have any idea your child was thinking this way, that they might come out and do something crazy like this. At the end of the day, some of these parents may say, oh, I never taught them to hate. But you likely use the N-word around them. You likely talk trash about people who look like me around them. You may not have specifically told them to hate people who look like me, but you darn sure, sure did tell them not to. You didn't tell them to treat people equally no matter what race or ethnic group they belong to. That's what you didn't do. Okay? Pay attention. So miss me with it. And as far as the parents of these gangbangers are concerned, like I said yesterday, you can say that you didn't tell them to be out here doing this type of things or whatever. But if you didn't teach and instill in them the value of human life, if you didn't teach them love of self, because many of these people are angry and after doing these things because they have no love of self. So if you're not filling your children up with love and light, then they grow up with negative negativity inside of them, full of darkness and hate. 
and not caring about anyone else because if a person doesn't care about themselves there's no way they care about other people and that's just what it is she told nobody but now also um swing sadly hold on Oh, this chat's moving quickly. Oh, I missed that comments. Sorry, beloved. I was trying to read your comment, but the chat's moving so quickly. Now, let me say this before I move on. Let me say this before I move on. Okay, sadly, they'll they'll call her an N-word lover for telling the truth to the archetype. Yes, of course they will. They already call her race traitors and all of that, getting mad and butt hurt over people that are telling the truth. That's what they do. The racist people, that is. Um, but so here's the thing. Also, goodness, Rated both said, for me to watch the full video of Cynthia G's interview with that white man, and said that basically he was pointing out things they can do to be better. Let me tell you something, beloved. Do you know how crazy that sounds? So you mean to tell me that we need Chad to get on Cynthia G's show to tell black men how they can be better? First of all, Chad doesn't have any business speaking on black men, period. I have a problem with that. Chad needs to be telling his own people who look like him how they can be better. Maybe giving a class on how they can stop all these mass shootings and raising mass shootings. He's the last one who needs to be trying to tell black men how they can be better. Y'all hear this? I'm sorry, beloved, but I, no, I'm not down with that. Cynthia G doesn't like black men as far as I'm concerned. That's just what it is. And for her to have some man on there telling black men how they can be better. First of all, what he was doing, I'm going to tell you what he was doing because I saw right through his BS. He was on there. Because he dates black women himself, he was on there to further down, down talk and downplay black men because he wants black women to date men who look like him. He wasn't on there to try to help black men be better and do better. Why are black men even his concern? I think if we know what Dr. If we think about what Dr. Francis Chris Wilson said, I think we all should know. Uh, through common sense, that he definitely wasn't trying to help black men be better. Okay, that's what he wasn't trying to do. That's what he wasn't trying to do. Now, like I said, we can respectfully agree to disagree, but at the end of the day, honey, I just don't think she likes black men, period. And that man coming on her show had no business speaking on black men, period. That's what it is. Anyway, let me move on. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, Brazil's President Lula seeks common BRICS currency to counter U.S. dollar's dominance. He wants the U.S. dollar gone from trade. Okay, so let's get into it. And so they say uh, Brazil's President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva made an impassioned call to his BRICS counterparts, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, to replace the U.S. dollar with their own currencies for trading among the countries. Lula's comments come amid efforts by India, China, and Russia to set up streams for trade in their own currencies and expanding calls amongst BRICS nations to launch a potential common currency mechanism for trade. I keep telling y'all Babylon is clearly falling, pay attention. The BRICS block has a combined GDP that's slightly more than that of the U.S. 
The five major economies constitute 41% of world population, 24% of the world GDP, and 16% of global trade flows. And so they say, every night I ask myself why all countries have to base their trade in the dollar. This is what Lula says, President Lula. Okay, uh, he was talking to, he was talking at the uh, New Development Bank in Shanghai when he brought this up. He said, why can't we do trade based on our own currencies? A crowd of Brazilian and Chinese dignitaries applauded the Brazilian president's call in Shanghai on Thursday, April 13th. He says, who decided that our currencies were weak, that they didn't have value in other countries? Why can't a bank like that of the BRICS have a currency to finance trade relations between Brazil and China, between Brazil and other countries? It's difficult because we are accustomed to the idea that, uh, that everyone depends on just one currency. Now they say, this was first reported on April the 3rd. Uh, that as India and China step up to the, to counter U.S. dollars dominance, a common BRICS currency for trade between the countries forming the bloc may very well be on the way. Well, I told you all this that they're trying to get their own. They're trying to come up with a new currency. Absolutely. Uh, so Lula's comments add another note of consensus among the BRICS nations toward a common currency to counter the dominance of the U.S. dollar. At the forthcoming BRICS summit in South Africa. Hold on, let me cut this off. Sorry, I got distracted. This pop-up was playing loud music. Okay. So anyway, they're going to say, a forthcoming BRICS summit in South Africa, a new financial arrangement seen with the potential to translate into a common BRICS currency is expected to be announced. Now, according to Switzerland-based Bank for International Settlements, approximately half of global trade is invoiced in U.S. dollars despite the United States accounting for just over a tenth of global trade. The greenback's dominance in global trade means the burden of dollar-dominated debt for other nations rises and falls with the exchange rate. Now, this destabilizes the economies of the countries with U.S. monetary policy after playing a defining role than its own domestic decisions. At the same time, the economic culture in the United States of imposing financial sanctions on countries Washington, that Washington deems unfriendly is often a source, is often seen as a source of economic instability. So apart from Russia and its rubble, or ruble, countries in the developing world, therefore spearheaded by China and India, are wrapping up efforts to respectively set up trade streams based on China, Renminbi, and Indian rupee, respectively. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa banded together in BRICS. They will meet in South Africa in August of 2023, where de-dollarization is expected to lead the agenda of the bloc. Honey, the U.S. dollar is down. Oh, it's going down. The U.S. is, is this is a collapse of the dollar. I keep telling you all that all these nations are just rising up against the U.S.'s policies. They're sick and tired of their sanctions. They're sick and tired of the U.S. bullying other nations, trying to tell them what to do and how to do it. They are fed up. And this is more, you know, uh, chickens coming home to roost. This is karma, so I say. Okay? 
Uh, so, but unfortunately, this is going to impact U.S. citizens in more ways than one. So listen to this. Mary Pearson, a Texas man, gets 70 years in prison for spitting at cops while getting arrested for domestic violence. Spit at cops and he gets 70 years in prison. I want y'all to pay attention. That's more than domestic terrorists get. So they say a man in Texas was sentenced to uh, 70 years in prison after spitting at two officers during an arrest in May of 2022. Larry Pearson, who's 36 years old, was arrested on domestic violence charges after allegedly hitting a woman several times in the face, leaving her with multiple visible injuries. As officers took him into custody, he reportedly got angry and began kicking the office, uh, kicking the door of the police group. When two cops opened the door to stop him, Pearson spat at them and continued to do uh, do so even after he arrived at the Lubbock County Detention Center. This is all so crazy. Well, he's going to pay for it now because he's getting 70 years. They say Pearson was later found guilty of two counts of harassment of a public servant, which carries a minimum sentence of 25 years due to his prior convictions for aggravated robbery and family violence. During the trial's closing arguments, Prosecutor Jessica Gorman asked the jury uh, to send a message to both the suspect and society with its sentence. Saying that if you're going to live the life of crime, you're going to do that among other criminals in prison. This is what Gorman told the court. Now, Jim Shaw, Pearson's defense attorney, argued that the sentencing was for a simple misdemeanor uh, that, he, that got out of control. However, the jury ultimately chose to hand down a sentence of 70 years. They say, you're not going to get 70 years for something like this when you've never been in trouble before. Uh, the case has sparked controversy and raised questions about the fairness of the sentence. Critics argue that the punishment is excessive for a nonviolent offense that is disproportionately uh, used to affect people of color. And so they didn't get him for beating his partner. They booked him for life for spitting at an officer. The minimum is 25 years. This is insanely excessive. A user reacted, uh, posted this on Twitter. Uh, one more wrote that that's an inexcusable sentence. Um, that's an inexcusable sentence. 25 years was a stretch. Another user said, more time than a mass shooting suspect. Wait, so they stormed the Capitol, break into the Capitol, injured the police and get off. But he gets 70 years for spitting at them? Shaking my head, but this is America. That's what one person posted to Twitter. Oh, well, this is America. This is America. Let me just show y'all who the person is because we all know it's somebody who looks like me. Pay attention. That's him right there. He's gone, honey, for 70 years for spitting at officers. Now, didn't say that he spat on them. He spat at them. You see... What can happen when you can't control your temper as a person who looks Monique's like me? Story in black. this country, you and don't get the benefit of the doubt. You don't have and never have been afforded, nor will we ever be afforded privilege. You have to be careful how you move. You have to be careful what you say and what you do. Because at the end of the day, things like this continue to happen. How do you get 70 years for spitting at someone? Well, I think we all know. 
That's absolutely crazy. That is absolutely crazy. But oh well. Now let's talk about this fool who got mad at his family for whatever reason, and they shared a family bank account. He went and withdrew two hundred thousand dollars from the family shared bank account and threw the money all over the interstate. That's what he did. And this happened in Eugene, Oregon. People were watching the grassy areas along an Oregon highway for $100 bills this week after a man reportedly threw $200,000 out of his car. Police said that 38-year-old Colin Davis McCarthy drained his family's shared bank account and threw the cash out of the window. Now it will be difficult for the family to get much, if any, of the money back. Uh, they said because it's a shared account, they both have equal interest in the money. It was also tricky for police to charge McCarthy with any crimes. And so anyway, I'm going to put up the footage of the family so forlorn and desperately looking to see if there was any of that money left. So that money was gone quick. I mean, people jumped out of cars and smashed it all up. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did, honey, because if I had been riding down the street and I see somebody just throwing money out the window, I, I would have pulled right over and got as much as I could get. This is all so crazy. Hey, higher. People are still combing the sides of the freeway, hoping to find more of the money, even though state police say it's all gone. They were unsuccessful at locating any, so the people had originally stopped on scene. Did a pretty good job of cleaning, cleaning it all up. Lieutenant Jim Andrews says 38-year-old Colin Davis McCarthy drained his family's shared bank account and let it fly along the freeway. Unfortunately, Andrews said there was little they could do for the family because the account was shared. Because it's shared, they both have equal interests in the money. With dozens of people walking on the side of the freeway looking for the cash, Andrews says McCarthy could have been charged with the crime. The most likely thing that he could have been charged with in a situation like that where there where there is danger being created because of his actions is disorderly conduct. Um, Not even literally. Potentially reckless endangering, but most likely uh, disorderly conduct. And I know the troopers considered uh, charging him with that or arresting him with that, but um, in conversation with him, they elected not to. The family says even though the odds are long, they're asking anyone any of the cash to please return it to Oregon State Police because that money is very much needed for the family. Reporting in Eugene, no Did y'all hear this? It's all so sad and forlorn. They say that the family is asking anyone that found any of the cash to please turn it in because it's much needed. Honey, it is much needed by the people who found it, okay? If you're sitting there with two hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, I'm sorry, but people riding down that road who jumped out to snatch that cash, they're not gonna feel sorry for you. They are not gonna feel sorry for you. Now I don't ask for donations, but I'm telling you all, Royals, if any of you should be riding down the street, see anyone throwing money out of the window, and you get out and snatch some, please make sure you give me my share. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> This is Jimmy Honey, nobody's turning that money in. Sadly, nobody's turning that money in. You know what this reminds me of? When the family said, please, if you found any of the cash, please turn it in as much needed. That reminds me of myself. When I was about 13 years old, maybe 14, it was Christmas Eve. 
And my mother gave me some money and told me to go to the store to get some last minute items that she forgot for Christmas dinner. Funny, I went in that store and I messed around and dropped a $20 bill. Didn't realize it until I got to the cash register to pay for the items my mother told me to purchase. Funny, when I tell you I knew I was going to get in trouble, I could already feel the sting of the belt. I walked up to the, the uh, customer service or the manager or whoever, and I said, uh, did anyone turn in $20? <laughs> the lady said, no, sweetie, no one turned in any money, and chances are, uh, more likely than not, if somebody found it, they're not going to turn it in the money. Child, I was crying. Because I knew what was next. It was at that moment that I knew there was not going to be a very Christmas. I Mr. Bristol Black Ram said your hind parts were sore. <laughs>
Now, emails seeking comments were sent to the representatives of the defendants. The suit says that the series creators and writers had been similarly underpaid and that Monique learned of the alleged breach of contract when they recently filed a similar lawsuit. And so Monique said in a statement, I just want the contractual compensation that I've earned. I don't blame her. Give her her money. The Parkers, a spinoff of the sitcom Moesha, ran for five seasons with 110 episodes uh, on the now defunct network UPN, the forerunner of the CW from 1999 to 2004. Monique starred as Nikki Parker, a mother who returns uh, to the same college as her daughter. Now, the show has been rerun in syndication in various forms since and has since then and has been available for streaming on Netflix since 2020. In a previous lawsuit, Monique sued Netflix uh, for race and sex discrimination in its effort for a proposed comedy special accusing the streaming service of giving her a lowball offer that was part of a larger company tendency to underpay black women. And that suit was settled last year. And by the way, I watched Monique's comedy special and I actually liked it. I enjoyed it. Now, Monique is not shy about taking, taking on the David versus Goliath battles in Hollywood uh, to challenge these questionable practices that are an endemic or endemic to the industry. This is what David DeRubinis, one of her attorneys in both lawsuits, said in the statement. 55-year-old actress whose legal name is Monique Angela Hicks first gained fame as a stand-up comic and was among the queens of comedy featured in the 2000 film of the same name. So anyway, honey, they better give Monique the points if they don't want any problems. But see, this happens all too often. And often people will not do anything about it. They'll just let it go. They don't want to fight them in court. They don't want to get blacklisted. Uh, they have their own reasons for not saying anything. My dad said, you like to stand up too? Yes, I did. Okay, so anyway, honey, that's the news for now. Uh, like up, everyone please like and share. Okay? Like up, everyone please like and share. So does anyone have any questions, comments, or side remarks before I make my departure? Don't forget that I'm going live on the spiritual channel probably around 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I am going to have the trivia. I've been giving away those smoothie recipe books uh, for those members who have not purchased one. Okay? Okay. Uh, Busy Diva View said, so did you. Yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, Tan said, Alexa, play Yikes, you better have my money. I know that's right. Okay, so anyway, with that all being said, I want to thank you, Opportunity Black Hand, once again. Please like and share, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Be sure to click the notification bell and click the word all so that you're notified each time the Goddess goes live. Okay, also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Underscore Asia Core, on TikTok at Dr. Asia Core, and Twitter at DGoddess27. Okay, until next time, beloveds, I will talk to you all again soon. Yo, Nick, been with that soul all in my skin, God all in my blood, kings all in my circle. You touch one of mine, you're done. They show no love for the queen. Why you hating on me? Is it cause I'm free and I got Malcolm X in my jeans? I got dreams like King Luther, share blood like
Tusa. You ain't helping my people, I ain't got nothing to say to ya. I won't always smoke my hookah. Talking reparations, America won't be great until they give us compensation. I'm like, uh, I'm the hottest right now. That's See right. a bunch of lanes out here trying to jock on my style. They be doing too much. I'm the queen, it's too easy. It's like they all in podcasts, how they be talking so greasy. I just sit back and laugh while these haters get mad. So nefarious, I'll take Family and fellow soldiers, I'm the professor, and this is the moment of truth. And now, the Friday Crime Report. Before we begin, I think I should note that I had originally recorded another crime report that I was going to be profiling, but this particular crime had been making the rounds for about the last 48 hours or so, people talking about it. One of my subs had posted and I retweeted it on my Twitter. So I decided that I was going to go ahead and tackle this one instead, because there's a point that I want to make near the end of this that I think people need to hear. Panama City Beach, Florida, April 9th, 2023, 11.11 11 p.m. Airman First Class Davon Larry was a security forces airman stationed at Tyndall Air Force Base near Panama City. Late on the night of April 9th, an altercation occurred at a bar called Coyote Ugly between two groups of men. Details on the cause of the fight are unknown, but what is known is that Ross Johnson was there that night. Johnson is an amateur MMA fighter and a wannabe tough guy. He had been involved in a verbal argument with a group of men inside the bar. It escalated and continued outside. Surveillance video shows Johnson at the outdoor patio when a female alerts him to something. Ross then jumps over the patio fence of the bar so that he could take part in whatever was going on. At that point, Johnson encountered Airman Larry and sucker punched him, striking him behind the left ear. Hits to the back of the head or behind the ear is illegal in things like boxing and the UFC, and that's for a reason. Even an amateur MMA person like this Johnson thug knows how dangerous that kind of thing is. Johnson, by his own account, was aware that he had most likely committed a killing. He sent a text message to his girlfriend immediately after he attacked Airman Larry. The message said, dude is still not moving. One of Johnson's friends in a recorded statement says that after the killing, Johnson told him, man, I hit that guy. I laid him out and I think I killed him. Yet at no point, however, did Johnson even attempt to summon medical aid. Instead, this thug ran away because he's so tough. He fled the scene of his crime in an Uber or some other kind of rideshare. He went back to a Holiday Inn hotel that he was staying in, and at that point, he began trying to change his clothes. Now, why would he do that? Was he perhaps trying to change his appearance? There were plenty of witnesses who saw him kill Airman Larry. Was he trying to make it harder for authorities to identify him based on what he was last seen wearing? Well, whatever his motive was for trying to change his clothing, he admitted that he saw police outside the hotel he was staying at. But rather than turn himself in, the thug fled for the second time that night because he's so tough. So this criminal kills a member of this country's military and he flees the scene of the crime and then he flees a second time from the police later that night. He went to a hotel that apparently some gal pals or whomever were staying at. 
When he was finally captured by the authorities, he gave a story that's about what you would expect from a creep like him. He claimed that he was in fear of his life when he ran up on Airman Larry and killed him. He was scared for his life, so that's why he ran to an altercation, because he was scared for his life. He claimed that Airman Larry had yelled, hey, and that's what Johnson told the police. He didn't say Airman Larry did anything to him. He didn't say that the airman had hit anyone, didn't even hit him, didn't even attack him. He didn't say that Airman Larry so much as looked at him. All Johnson says is that Airman Larry was running to the altercation and yelled, hey. Clearly, Airman Larry was trying to break up the fight. But Johnson also admitted to police that he is left-handed. That's important because since his left side is his dominant side, that means when he struck Airman Larry, it was with his left fist. And since Airman Larry was struck on the left side of his head behind the ear, that means the killer was behind his victim. Or at the very least, he was immediately at Airman Larry's rear left side. He didn't face Airman Larry like a man. He sucker punched him from behind or from his blind side like a coward. That is, unless someone's going to tell us that you can stand in front of someone and punch them behind their left ear with your left hand. And to do so hard enough to cause a hematoma, which was the cause of death for Airman Davon Larry. And this killer Johnson is so dishonest that even the police in Florida, of all places, wrote in their report multiple times that, quote, it should be noted the defendant changed his story multiple times while being questioned in particular about him hitting the victim. He claimed he pushed the victim, then stated he struck the victim with his right hand, and once again changed his story, saying he struck the victim with his left hand. Later in the report, the police wrote, the defendant continuously omitted facts regarding the incident. So the police in Florida, who are not any black person's friend, made it a point to state multiple times in their own affidavit that this guy kept changing his story. And you know it has to be significant because it's not unusual for people's accounting of a particular crime to change a little bit when they tell it, but a little bit. Incidents of high stress get remembered a little bit differently when people try to tell it later on. That's to be expected. But this was the night of the killing. And obviously even the police didn't think this guy was being honest with them because they wrote in their own affidavit multiple times that his story kept changing. That means the police are making it clear they don't see him as credible at all. At last report, the killer was being held on a bond of $250,000. Considering that this is a violent thug who engages in fighting as his recreation, and that he killed someone, a member of the military, completely without reason, and that he fled from the police not once but twice, first from the scene of the killing he committed, and secondly from the hotel he'd been hiding in, it is ridiculous that he isn't being held without bond. Or rather, it's typical white privilege. And speaking of which, you have the white media and other assorted liars trying to rewrite this one already. You have people trying to claim that this was an accident. No, it wasn't. He intentionally hit Airman Larry as hard as he could. The police's affidavit says so. He, quote, intentionally committed an act, striking the victim, causing the victim's death. We'll continue with the moment of truth in just a moment, but first, a word from the official sponsor of Black Empowerment, Power Tools. There's no telling when something's going to come up, so make sure you carry your power tools at all times. 
You never know when you're going to need to bring the hammer down or when you'll have some trash that needs to be blown away or some obstacle that requires cutting down. Don't get caught empty-handed. Keep your hammer close by. Keep that leaf blower at the ready and always carry your steel. Power tools. Because no matter what your day job or side hustle may be, there's no excuse for not being ready to put in some work. He didn't accidentally sucker punch that man. He didn't accidentally strike him. He did it on purpose. That is, unless the white media and these other online liars want us to believe that he accidentally jumped the patio fence at the bar, then accidentally sucker punched Airman Larry, then accidentally sent a text message to some gal pal of his, but accidentally didn't call 911. And then I suppose the killer accidentally called an Uber or whatever so he could flee the scene. And then he accidentally went to his hotel and accidentally tried to change his clothes. And then when he saw the police outside his window, he accidentally fled the scene the second time for the night and accidentally wound up at a hotel where some broads he knew were at, right? How does anyone accidentally do all that? See, looking at the headlines the white media puts up, they try to make it sound as if Airman Larry was in a fist fight with this guy, when the truth of the matter was this guy actually attacked Airman Larry. But this is the narrative that the white media is trying to manufacture. Obviously, this thug is hoping to set up some sort of stand-your-ground defense, and the white media is trying to help him do it. Predictably, the white media is really not saying anything about Airman First Class Davon Larry or his service to the United States. See, that's what always happens whenever there's a black victim who the white media can't dirty up. They decide, well, let's not say anything about him at all. And of course, we're not hearing anything about the killer's past. Does he have any prior criminal record? What did his neighbors say about him? Was he known to be violent and quarrelsome at work or at his job? Did he even have a job? See, when a black person is accused of harming a non-black person, all we hear about is the black person. And when the victim is black, all we hear about is the black person. When a non-black person is accused of harming a black person, all we hear about from the white media is how difficult it will be to convict, how prosecutors are probably overcharging, and you should just take what you can get. Well, it's probably going to get pleaded out anyway. The white media makes sure they set the stage for that. Seems on an almost monthly basis, we hear about some white supremacists who call themselves doing MMA or some roided-up Neanderthal who gets into violent altercations with randos on the street or who tries to beat his girlfriend to death. MMA has become a magnet for white supremacists, perverted would-be survivalists, wannabe tough guys, and mentally unstable morons. This creep Johnson wasn't afraid for his life at all that night. He didn't jump over a fence and run to a fight because he was afraid. He did it because, like a lot of these MMA morons, he wanted to try out some of the stuff that he had been practicing in his amateur fights. That's the reason why he did it. Now, we all know that a lot of these white supremacists are obsessed with MMA because they think it will help them to better carry out violence against black people. We see this especially among police. You need to understand that there's a lot of these thugs running around just waiting for a chance to ambush someone, and they don't wear police uniforms. In the last few years, we've seen more than a few instances of black servicemen in particular who are suddenly, without provocation, killed by violent criminals. You'll recall that back in 2017, Army First Lieutenant Richard Collins III was visiting a group of friends at the University of Maryland when a white supremacist named Sean Urbanski ran up on him and stabbed him to death. 
that guy had been out stalking, looking for a black person he could go after. By the way, Urbanski was part of a Facebook group calling itself Alt-Right Nation. He also downloaded racist memes and supported violence against black people. But the judge on the case refused to allow prosecutors to bring the hate crime charges because the judge said they lacked evidence. This same judge also denied the prosecutor's request that this race terrorist be given life without parole. The judge decided that he should at least have a chance of parole someday because, as the judge put it, this was his first offense. And likewise, we've seen punks like that Pentland character who assaulted a black pedestrian and got a slap on the wrist. And that happened just two years ago. Your Biden-appointed black defense secretary did absolutely nothing about that punk. The military will routinely give out advisories for their personnel if a few of them are killed or otherwise harmed in a particular town. But Lloyd Austin's not punishing military personnel who attack black people, and he's not saying boo when black military personnel are attacked. Gee, anyone see a pattern forming here? Don't let the white media or anyone else tell you that this was some sort of accident. Davon Larry wasn't accidentally hit in the head. He was intentionally struck for the purpose of harming him, which is exactly what happened. This society protects and makes excuses for anti-black violence. Black people, especially black military personnel, must be aware of this. Black people in general and black military personnel in specific have to make sure that they've got each other's backs. Black military personnel need to make it a point to practice group protection. But what's true for the group is also true for the individual. Personal protection is not just a must, it is your right. We can all agree that an Airman First Class Davon Larry or a First Lieutenant Richard Collins III is of far more value to society than trash like Urbanski or this Johnson creep. The white media and the military can pretend that these are all just accidents happening to these black personnel, but we know better. Because while we can't stop the next would-be attacker from trying something, what we can do and should do is be prepared to ensure that we don't become their next victim. And that's this week's Friday Crime Report. Keep your eyes open and stay on alert, because there's a lot worse criminals out there than the ones the white corporate media chooses to show. Hey, turn off the court. Good day. All right. And be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Morris Bodden, Wesley Monroe, Philander Bryant, R. Laz, and Clifton Johnson. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. Hope y'all enjoyed. Thank you. Advisor to the Board of Physicians.